its staff, or management. Thanks for listening, and enjoy Radio Free Brooklyn. This is what Brooklyn sounds like. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. How you doing today, huh? I don't know about you, but right out here in Bushwick, it's very sunny. It's a cloudless sky. I've got a great guest. I'm in a good mood. Do you know this is my 297th show? I've been doing this almost seven, it'll be seven years next month. Can you get over it? Well, anyway, thanks a lot for listening to, um, doc, this is doc, I'm Dr. Lisa. Dr. Lisa gives a shit on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm a self-proclaimed psychotherapist. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all you need to know. Um, and, um, I want to remind you that you should check out Radio Free Brooklyn, okay? Radio, you go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Um, we really could use some help. Um, you know, this isn't the best time for nonprofit free, free radio. Uh, we, we've been doing this seven years, and we want to keep going. We We support a great community of people and listeners and we we do a lot of very positive things besides just entertainment, you know. You know, it's not just all fun. It's not all fun and games. So check us out and, and make a donation, okay? That's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org uh, slash donate. I also want to remind you that... Um, we are doing a, a a live music show. That's right. On Friday, May twentieth, seven thirty p.m. at Bar Freedom. We are going to have some really great bands: Seventh Grade Girl Fight, Dirt, Dirt Bikes, Barrette, Castle Black, all at Bar Freedom. Tickets ten dollars. And then you know what else? I want to tell you about a show that I am doing. Okay, I'm having a. Uh, show at an art gallery. The opening is May 13th, 6 to 8, and it's called But What Do You Think of My Work? And it's going to feature a sex doll who um, is living the life of an art student, making a living um, as a exotic dancer, stripper, sex worker, call it whatever you want. And all her work in her studio that she's making, it's an open studio, is about how she feels about all those things. So uh, anyway, that's that. It's at the border, okay? Fifty six Bogart. Now that's there. I did a I did a plug. Speaking of plugs, I want to do a plug for my guest. So let me. I can't believe who I have on today. It is so, um, so amazing, so interesting, and so complex. This person is very like I'm. I'm going to try and describe them to you, okay? I'm going to try and describe them to you, but I want to also get you to understand why why she's here. Okay, her name is Paris Campbell. She is a incredible comedian, writer, TikTok star. Um, and the reason I invited her on the show today is because she has autism. And the way that I found this out is because I saw her do her set at a mic, and it was great, and she said that she was autistic in the set. And then afterwards, I asked her about it, and she said, 
yeah, that she was. And I said, well, it's really hard to tell. And she said, well, I'm good at masking. And then I realized how little I knew about autism. And I'm like, I really want to find out more. And I want to, we got to learn about this shit, folks. We got all the stereotypes. We don't really know anything. So um, she's right here and we're going to get into that. Um, And I want to tell you, um, she, so anyway, she, um, so we're going to focus on her autism because, Uh, because I honestly don't think like I still can't quite figure out I've you know she's been here in the in the studio for more than 15 minutes and I still have no idea that why she's autistic but I just want to tell you my impression of her before we get going first of all she's really smart very um quick-witted like really good at like the TikTok thing like really she could be like um you know she could be doing this she could be a newscaster or something like that you know she can like she sounds intelligent puts and very quick. Um, she's also like ridiculously beautiful, okay. Um, and she has ADHD, she has autism. She's a single mom and this is what she says about herself on her on her uh, Instagram. She's a typical neuro that's funny. neurodivergent, bigender, bisexual, single mother living a bar above a bar in Brooklyn. Okay, so now you know pretty much what I know about her. So let's let's see what we can Oh, also I just want to like don't don't miss this. She is going to be doing this incredible show on Saturday, May 14th at the Broadway Comedy Club. Okay, I'll be posting about that and stuff like that, but it's five o'clock. You should go check it out. Uh, I posted it on today on my Facebook. Blah, 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 blah. Hi, Paris. Hi. <laughs> so uh, there, there, there you have it. That makes sense. Is there anything, is there, is there anything that, uh, tell us a little bit about your daughter. She's a year and a half. Tell us about yeah, her. Yeah, she's a year and a half old. Uh, her name is Wynn, uh, W-Y-N-N. Um, and oh man, she's she's amazing. She's my world. I love her. She's uh, just now started to walk independently as wow. of this past week. So I mean, barely, but she's trying. Yeah. Um. And you know, she's saying all these words, growing up so quick. Oh it's man. Awesome. And um. So the dad is uh. Was your tell us about just tell us about the general situation so we get an idea. Yeah, for sure. Um. So I was with my previous partner for five years. Um. We uh. We decided to have a baby about two years ago, and then I got pregnant right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I had a pandemic pregnancy, which was really difficult, Um, but so blessed to have her. Um, He and I are no longer together. We don't live together, um, but we see each other almost every single day because we have a child together. Um, Mm -hmm. So we very much co-parent. We're in each other's lives consistently and you know happily so Mm -hmm. um so that she has a good support system sounds like a really really good situation we try i mean you know nothing's easy right so it's you know it has its moments and still Mm -hmm. you know she's so young and the situation is definitely new and different from what we originally anticipated so you know we work with what we have Mm -hmm. i think 
And uh, but she really knows who both of her parents are. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And she that she is really loved very much. She she has so many people in her life who just love her and are there uh, for her. And you know, my my current partner, my my boyfriend, is also very much a part of her life. And so she just has so many people who love her. There you go. That's a happy kid. That makes me happy just thinking about what a happy childhood might have been like for some child somewhere. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, some abstract child that I haven't met, but so anyway, um, yeah. So this is uh, so you uh, you you are uh, definitely uh, somebody has who doesn't um, doesn't shy away from life. I try not to. Yeah. So we want to talk about autism. Oh, and also I wanted to mention I forgot this. Coincidentally, April. This is April. Is autism. Uh, awareness month and we 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 were talking about that a little bit uh, we shouldn't be talking about autism okay I'm just gonna try and cut to the chase <laughs> here's what people from what I read and I asked Paris and she agreed with me what people don't understand about autism and I didn't read this until I met um, Paris and did a little research on my own is that uh, people with autism, autism as as individual as individuals. So when you think you you, we get all these messages from the media, and it's all bullshit. Okay, so it's like I'm a Jew. Okay, am I like other Jews? Not really, because we're all so individual. All right, you know, like we both know what Judaism is. We all know we're all aware of it, but like the way that I'm Jewish is nothing to do with the way somebody else is Jewish, okay? And we are all real individuals, and that's something that um, I'm, I want to under, I hope that we're going to be learning about from Paris today, I hope, right? Yeah, I mean, I would love to spread that message of just individuality, and because the stereotypes are so harmful. Um, when you see an autistic person in, uh, you know, mainstream media, it's usually someone who fits the, you know, the stereotype that was kind of in the DSM in the 90s, which was kind of for, you know, a young adolescent boy who's very rambunctious, perhaps nonverbal, um, you know, struggles very much with uh, all social aspects and, you know, in some regards, maybe can't live a successful life or, you know, be on their own or something like that. And the reality is there there are many people who are like that, but there are also many people who are not and also many people who might not know that they're on the spectrum or um you know just all of us are so completely different so what would you say about how many do do like a few most um what's your estimation about like how many autistic people really can't live on their own i mean that's the oh the, i have no idea to be honest i it, don't even want to pretend like i have an idea um but as far as uh, like but that's the stereotype, definitely the stereotype. I like just across the board, the stereotype is, um, you know, if you are autistic, that uh, it's unlikely that you, you know, can be independent or, you know, appear to be functional. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Or quote unquote normal or whatever you want to call it. Right, right, right. But that is probably that's what we think of, and that's just not it. So, so I should know that. I will look that up. I'll write that in. Okay, when I post this episode, I will find that out, and I will let I will. I'm getting back to you on that fact. 
So the thing is, is that um, when I met you, obviously, the only way I knew you were, you know, I was surprised by, I mean, your set was great. And I was surprised by that. I was like, what? But then when I started talking to you, you said that you're good at masking. And so I'd never heard that term. And I want to understand it. Can you explain it to us? Yeah, so masking is a term that's used um, in the autistic community to explain kind of what we do when we um, present in public or like um, kind of what we're taught to do, what society teaches us to do. Um, So masking is just an autistic person doing their best to try to appear neurotypical. Um, So what that can look like is um, sometimes uh, if you're an autistic person, you might do things like stim um, there's so many different ways of stimming. There's verbal stims, oral stims. Like, um, what is that? Stimming what is, is a self-stimulation, um, like self-soothing movements. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, like I, I fidget a lot with my fingers or um, sometimes I uh, I might rock back and forth or I might sway because it makes me feel comfortable. It makes me... So is there an anxiety that you're soothing? What is the feeling that no, you're... No, not necessarily. It's because um, it can also be pleasant. Um, so it's, it's not necessarily like a coping mechanism. It can be a coping mechanism, Uh but it can also just be, um, my body reacting to the sensory sensations that are around me. So if I'm, it's kind of like when people are listening to music and they start to tap their foot, Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like a, just a natural response to life. So are you just like noticing sensations that other people might not notice? Maybe. I mean, yeah, I mean, how would you know that? But Um, I'm definitely I'm definitely hyper aware of um, certain things like um, certain sounds or certain sound frequencies or like um, sometimes certain if something touches me a certain way, it makes me feel very strange or I might need to like take a moment to myself after that Um, Mm -hmm. or if I if I see something uh, that just for some reason just bothers me, it might give me like a weird sensory kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, stimming can sometimes be a way of coping with those things, but it can also just kind of be a way of like enjoying things. Mm, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like you it's not like you're looking at somebody uncomfortable when they're doing that. No. And that's also a huge um, stereotype and misperception, like common um misunderstanding that people have especially for people who might be like nonverbal like if you see a nonverbal person you know maybe like you know moving their hands kind of erratically or something like that it might look like they're troubled but they might just kind of be like vibing like they're fine <laughs> yeah so have you dealt with people that are nonverbal have you dealt with do you um i had asked you and you said that you have well you have some friends that are autistic yeah, right. mostly like other content creators who I follow who were like mutuals on TikTok. Um, uh-huh. But you probably wouldn't have any way of getting it. You probably like, I yeah, guess, like I don't yeah, see like, them. Right, how would you? <laughs> so um, also, which brings us to another point, which is that you weren't officially diagnosed until you were in your, well, you, I don't, I, I, we don't have to talk about it. She looks like she's 22 right now. I don't know, but you, you know, <laughs> but you said you were in your 20s. No, it's fine to say it. I was 26. Yeah, I was, I was 26 when I got diagnosed. Uh-huh, which can't be that long ago. I am turning 30 this year. So, oh, okay, see. Yeah. Whatever. 30. <laughs> Baby. When when's your birthday? That's exciting. December 23rd. Oh, very exciting. Near yeah, Christmas. Excited. 30. Wow. That's 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 almost as yeah. 
That reminds me of, yeah, I remember that. So anyway, um, barely. But um, so, okay, so three, four years ago, you you found out. And, and how did you find out? So it was a process. So I first started um, getting, because I, I got diagnosed with ADHD when I was a child. So I already knew I had that. And um, I was just on the internet and I started seeing all of these targeted ads and like all of these recommended videos and pictures and content and stuff about autism. And I was wondering why I kept seeing this stuff. And um, it was almost like all this technology, like all these algorithms that, you know, are supposed to figure out what you like or what you're into and recommend things to you based on, you know, your preferences. Um, right. It was all kind of telling me, maybe you should go and get checked out or maybe you should get evaluated. <laughs> That's so creepy, really. It was way, extremely right? creepy. It was very creepy, but it it um it did it did bring a lot to light because I realized in that moment, like yeah, I do I do need to see someone. So really, from from well, do you think that you were there was somehow like there was the algorithm knows you better than you know yourself? Like, did it sort of figure out like that you were looking at things that autistic people look at? Do you have any theory how the, how it got to you? I don't know. I mean, I did watch some videos about about ADHD like I was watching some like meditation things of like you know how to try to like boost your concentration through like meditating Mm and um maybe it kind of picked up on that from that and then once you start watching the videos though like once like one's recommended to you and it's like oh you might have this and you watch the whole thing then the algorithm's like oh she's into this so I think at that point it was also me Uh, it was yeah it was also me like creating more of it because it was like (laughs) it was like weird it was like oh I saw this one video and I connected (laughs) with everything (laughs) so now like you know all it was showing me so do you think that your ADHD diagnosis sort of masked the actual you know reality that you had um um autism i think that in a way it was kind of i don't it definitely didn't mask it because looking back at my childhood i had so many autistic traits that should have been picked up on um but i think that giving me just the ADHD diagnosis, which is valid. Like, I mean, I definitely do have ADHD. You, you have medication. Yeah, I, I'm medicated, medicated for the for ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it was kind of almost a way of being like, okay, well, like, yeah, you know, we're just going to kind of like, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But like there, but I had so many things when I was a little kid, especially like the meltdowns, the sensory issues, the social issues. Um, those things are not things that are symptoms of ADHD. Those are symptoms of autism spectrum disorder. Mm -hmm. So when you started watching the videos, that's when you said, I have, this is me. Yeah, I was like, nothing has ever made more sense in my entire life. Wow. So did you pursue an official diagnosis after that or i started with therapy i first started bringing it up with a therapist um then were you in therapy already no at that time i was not so did you start therapy because of that well i'd done therapy at various points right before but then it was like it was like yeah i think i'm gonna start therapy again Mm -hmm. um so first it was a lot of talk therapy then it was meeting with a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was taking three different, um, evaluation tests. So there's like one that's called the RADS, R-A-D-S. Um, there's the AQ, which is the autism, uh, 
spectrum quotient or I, I might be messing this up. <laughs> and then there's one other one that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. So they gave you a bunch of tests. Yes. Yeah, so you take a bunch of tests and then like on all of those tests, it was like you can score anywhere between like a zero to 30. And it was like on one of them, it was like if you got above a 24, then you were like definitely on the spectrum. And my score was like 27. Uh-huh. And then like all of them, it was like pretty high. Yeah. Um. So then, uh, yeah, the last step is just, you know, you go to a diagnostician. And then and then what happens? Like, do they go like, OK, you are crowned autistic or it basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's but there's a relief in that. There is. There is. I uh-huh. mean, it's it's a very it's there's a relief, but there's also like this like brain breaking moment of like like earlier when we were talking about masking, like a lot of people when they find out that they're autistic, like once they get that diagnosis, it almost like hurts our ability to be able to mask like for a while we go through this period that we call unmasking because you just suddenly have been told that all of these little things in your head that like your whole life you've been like oh these are my quirks or these are like my silly little things that I do Mm -hmm. like all of a sudden they all like have a reason like you know why you do them and then you're Uh hyper aware of them and then you can't Mm -hmm. stop doing them so Mm -hmm. it's like um Mm -hmm. it kind of throws you into like a bit of like a like whoa my world just got turned upside down yeah, I can I can imagine. Yes, yeah, so it makes you very self conscious. Not not even I guess just aware. So, but it changes your mindset about yourself and how you're in the world, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, how did you manage that? Did you tell people? Did you? Was it diff- like what did you go through for for how long did it? I mean, you. Like I said, I, you know, I haven't spent that much time. You seem perfectly fine to me. Better, <laughs> very highly, you know, you seem like you're getting through life great to me. But so how did it affect you, though? The very first thing that I did was probably one of the most like autistic things I could have done. And I made a 34 slide PowerPoint presentation to show to my family to tell them about it. Wow. That's something. <laughs> we should have had you bring that in here. I want to see that. Um, <laughs> no. So what, how did, well, what was that like? And who do you mean by your family? Well, stuff? I sent it, I sent it to my mother and, uh, and my stepfather. And um, I made that. And because the one thing was because I know when people look at me, I know they go, oh, there's no way she's autistic. Or like, you know, or they look at me and they're like, oh, she's, you know, she she does great. You know, she she well, does. Well, in all fairness, you are very beautiful, and I think that that um, well, that's that's, I mean, that's just how society. You know, people like if you're that beautiful, you can't also be artistic or something. Yeah, and people, that's just the that's way that people. Bullshit, but <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not true. But that's definitely something right. that people believe or so you know, just, they don't want to. They that's hard. It's society, once again, stereotypes in society. That's not helping us, folks. Exactly. Okay, go ahead. Um, So I made that and I was it was mostly just a kind of like uh, my biggest fear was that people weren't going to believe me, was that people were going to go, oh, no, you're not. Or like, that's wrong. Or like, because I felt like I had just finally learned this huge thing that meant so much to me. It was like, whoa, like everything makes sense. So I wanted people to understand me, especially the people who were, uh, you know, most important to me. So like my family, my close friends. Mm -hmm. So I made this PowerPoint and I did like a, I mean, this was, you know, I I think it was, no, it wasn't during the pandemic. It was before, but I did like a little video voiceover thing. Wow. And I sent it to my mother and then I sent it to a couple of my close friends who I wanted to know. 
Mm-hmm. And I made them watch it. And I was like, just watch this. Wow. <laughs> and it was just me explaining, you know, why this made sense and like the process that I went through to get diagnosed and um, and also just like facts about autism and like, you know. You know, what's really interesting about how you handled that? And I kind of love how you handled it because it's so self, um, what's the word, self uh, you know, you took it all, you took it all into your own hands and you managed it for them. And I wonder if you somehow feel like you have to manage, like people don't know how to relate to you and you have to make it easy for them. Oh yeah. My whole life that's been a thing is I, I mean, unfortunately, one of my biggest things is I am hyper aware of people's perception of me. And that's something that goes into being autistic is because you have to kind of force this, um, you know, I'm I'm trying to act normal type of thing. You're constantly wondering, like, am or at least I'm constantly wondering, am I acting normal? Am I breathing right? Am I standing right? Am I am I sitting up straight enough? Or am I, you know, did I just do a weird thing with my hands? There's a lot of self monitoring, exactly. But it's a very high level of it's a big it's a lot. You're do I mean that's that's impressive that you're able to. I mean, that's a lot. So um, I wanted to find out how people reacted, your close, your friends and your family, or the people you sent the, what impacted sending that video, what came out of that? Well, my family was very, um, my family kind of was like, yeah, I mean, we kind of expected or we kind of suspected this. Um, so they were very understanding. It was kind of like a light bulb moment for everyone. Mm-hmm. There was nobody in my life who came back to me and was like, no, I don't believe you. Everybody who knew me was like, this makes so much sense. <laughs> Do you think that, did you feel any anger? <clears throat> Do you think that you felt that your parents or whoever, you know, that your mother, I guess, I don't know, you're, I'm assuming your stepfather wasn't around when you were a little kid or something, yeah. but did you feel like they should have been more aware or more sensitive? Like, did you feel any anger that people didn't know? I felt anger that people misinterpreted my behaviors as negative things that they needed to correct rather than just things that they needed mm-hmm. to like embrace about mm-hmm. me. Like, like what kind of things? Like uh, like my stimming, for example, like when I was a kid, I did this like cough hacky thing for a while that like I don't do anymore. But um, I guess it was annoying, which I understand. But like, you know, people around me like didn't need to be rude about it. They could have just like you know people ex- would be like shut up or yeah or like why are you doing that or like you know just like like just accept it like i'm doing it right. um <laughs> so you don't feel like you have control over it no it's involuntary yeah so little things like that like um maybe people could have done differently but on like an overall like i personally and this is going to be different for every person who has an autism diagnosis so like this is just me i personally feel very grateful that i was not diagnosed as a child because the only support that would have been available to me is um, things like uh, like um, ABA therapy, which is, um, oh God, I'm not very well educated on this because <sighs> I know that it's kind of looked at as um, conditioning in a sense, like mm-hmm. which, you know, can have some like negative repercussions for right. a child. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy that I didn't go through a lot of the standardized therapies that were available in the 90s for autistic children and to be labeled that yeah because well yeah i mean well, in a way well look at all the stereotypes we're trying to dispel and ones that i have you know and i'm curious 
And the thing is, is that if you're diagnosed as a child with autism, people are going to make up all sorts of shit about you that probably is not true. Yeah. Can can you explain, like, so autism stereotypically is also seen as a superpower, right? We see, like... Yeah, and that's uh, also a very harmful stereotype. We see um, that Temple Grandin, you know, uh, mm-hmm. movie. You saw that or are aware of it, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, where she's like this weird genius that knows how cows want to be treated or something like that. Like, can you explain, like, I mean, you, to me, seem to have sort of a superpower in that you have all these deficits. Well, I don't want to say deficits. That's another stereotype. But you have, you know, you're managing a lot. Let's put it that way. You've got a lot to deal with, but you're able to function so I mean, at least, I mean, like I said, I don't pretend to know you that well, but, you know, you see, you certainly function well in a social environment. I know that for sure. I've seen that. Um, so, so what I'm saying is that seems like a superpower. Like, what do you, what, what can you, can you speak to whether there's any kind of extra, you know, extra advantage or, or, intelligence can you speak to that i think that everything is kind of a spectrum so i might be really good at some things and might be even better at some things than people who are really good at some things than others but Mm -hmm. i bet you i am extra extra bad at a bunch of really mundane things that come really easy for other people you know like what like um like today, I'm I'm doing you know fine. Like I got up out of bed. I you know <laughs> I got here. I got here. On time. I got here on time. Everything. But like last week, like I left a I left a thing early because I just didn't like the fact that I couldn't decide if I was standing straight enough on a stool. So like, you know, things do affect me sometimes to the point where I can't like get out of bed or like get moving or like. But is that more of an emotional? battle it might or it might it, be an emotional battle mm-hmm. but it becomes a physical limitation mm-hmm. because so, yeah. i i become physically paralyzed like my biggest my biggest thing is sometimes i just become physically paralyzed and like cannot move and like won't mm-hmm. yeah that's something i wanted to understand as well i want to 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 try to understand that because like you know you what what who is the person who you are compared to the person that is making it all work out in the world? Like who, like, and do, like, do, when you're, do, when you're with somebody, does your partner know that person? Do your, does your family know? Is there a very different person that the people who you're really close to, do they know that person? There's definitely a very different person who, when I'm alone, when I'm not, filming a TikTok video mm-hmm. when I'm like, you know, just by myself in my apartment with maybe a couple of close other people. There's definitely mannerisms that might come out that don't come out around like, you know, when I'm on stage or when I'm around a big group of people. But for the most part, I try to not hide who I am or let whatever happens, whether I'm masking or not, it's unintentional. I never, I never like make an oh. effort mm-hmm. to like, 
like no matter anymore at least when i was younger mm. i used to be like oh my god why am i doing this thing or like paris you're you're not supposed to be rocking back and forth in this art class or like you know things like that but um now as an adult i just do whatever i want mm-hmm. and you know people are either going to be weirded out by that or <laughs> You know, most people don't give a shit, especially here in New York City. It's yeah, like, right. you know, like most people are like, wow, that's cool. Yeah. Or maybe even that weird thing. Yeah. Again. People <laughs> might think I'm like on drugs or something and that's fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, now I try to I try to not let like the situation dictate my behavior because then I get burned out. Like if I mm-hmm. if I focus too much on trying to appease everybody around me, which I can't help but do to a certain degree. Yeah, we all do to some degree. I yeah. Hope. <laughs> yeah. But I will um I will eventually reach a point of complete mm-hmm. exhaustion and just like shut down. Mm-hmm. So I try to keep that from happening by just like Mm-hmm. letting it be how about as a parent does do you think like does it does it have any impact at all on being a parent i mean i can't i mean your daughter wouldn't have any idea about what's normal or not i mean is mm-hmm. it it's probably really freeing to be around her but do you ever like you know like you were saying you can't get out of bed do you do you worry about that or is it i definitely worry about it but i've found that and i'm i'm someone who i do I still do what I need to do to survive or like, you know, I would never put another person in danger or in harm's way or like, it's always important to me to make sure that everybody who's in my space is, you know, taken care of and healthy and happy. Right. So you're, you're very, very, very functional. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely, I mean, there's definitely been times though, where I've just been having an especially, especially difficult, um, time and then luckily i have a support system Mm. um you know i have i have her father or Mm. you know i have i have my partner i have some close friends of mine who if i wound up in a situation like that where you know i just i could not do it or i couldn't pull myself together um i would have people who would be able to step in but if they but if they weren't able to i still have you know enough of like a care for the people around me to make sure that i'm you know, so you have the ability. This is what yeah. you're saying. This is at least at least I'd say ninety nine percent of and the time. And you're able to and you're able to get somebody else. So there's so Yeah, the, and I can the, feel that yeah. stuff coming too. It's like mm-hmm. it, there's never been a time in my life where I've just like broken and been like, Oh, I I just suddenly cannot life. Like it's always been a sl- <laughs> it's been a slow process of like I feel myself breaking. So can you just explain to 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 us like what you mean like when you feel like you're not like what ha- like what's what's just so we know like what's something where you feel like you can't get out of bed or you have to leave like what happens there like what it, what what you're not are you becoming is it a physical thing is it like I a, you know self-awareness like i can't be doing this anymore or like what's going on when it gets really bad when i if i'm like having a full-blown like just like meltdown i'm usually it's just if i don't know i don't know how to describe it you're just kind of i'm just kind of in myself and i'm usually very emotional or you know crying or Mm -hmm. something like that probably um, usually like in my bed or somewhere that's comfortable. Um, and I just kind of like curl up usually and just, um, mm-hmm. you want to be alone. 
Not necessarily, um, but depending on the severity, like I usually don't want people touching me. Stimulation. Yeah, like sti- like I become very sensitive to sound, to touch, mm-hmm. to um, especially like certain sounds that are particularly bothersome, like a crinkling paper or <laughs> like someone like a dog mm-hmm. barking or a baby mm-hmm. crying or, mm-hmm. you know, someone eating, things like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> like um, and then. Yeah, I just kind of, I, I guess, I guess I kind of dissociate in a way, uh. or, or I like, or I just like kind of obsessively think the same things in my head over and over again and feel like I can't speak, can't, can't, you know, get out feel of it. Overwhelmed. Exactly. And yeah. then um, what I do is I have this like I have this thing set up with my headphones where I'll do like a little command on my phone where I'll just be like, I need to calm down, and then my headphones will start playing white noise music, oh. um, and then. I'll just kind of stay there and, you know, listen to that sound and kind of like hug myself until it, until I, you know, regulate again. Mm. Impressive. Your, your coping, your self-regulating self-coping skills are really, really impressive. Guys, look, you think you've got a lot to try to act normal out there? Look at this. This is my <laughs> hero right here. Um, I want to, um, I, I think it would be interesting to hear sort of a little bit about your childhood and like how, how, what it was like and how it, you know, how your parents missed, you know, they might, they might have missed something about you. Do you feel, do you feel, I want to ask you this first. So do you feel like, um, that your that your condition or your situation isn't like anybody else's around you like do you ever feel like oh they don't understand me or like i'm feeling like i need to you know just be here and not hear and hear this white noise and no one gets what i'm going through or i mean yeah definitely i definitely feel like that sometimes um i mean everybody i mean i feel like that when i get depressed yeah but do you think it's different is it a different thing I feel like people can't understand um, like people sometimes tell me that I come off as cold or insensitive or not like in a typical everyday conversation. But if we start talking about serious matters like um, like death or, you know, something like that, people might say, oh, you're cold, you're insensitive. I think that it's difficult for me to attach emotional significance to the same things that people attach emotional significance to. Interesting. Um, So that can be something that's difficult for me to understand. Like sometimes when people are upset about a certain thing, like an everyday thing, like if someone's Mm -hmm. complaining about their job or if someone is, um, you know, going through something, I might not understand why that upsets that person. So Mm -hmm. I can't relate to their emotional state. Mm -hmm. So their emotional state might either make me uncomfortable or it might just be confusing to me. Mm-hmm. So I might be inappropriate by asking you questions about your emotional state that you don't want to answer right now because you're upset. Or I might be uncomfortable around you because of your emotional state. So I might withdraw from you or mm-hmm. criticize you. Because you don't know how to, you just, <laughs> you're just uncomfortable. Yeah. So what do you think that is? Is that like a cognitive thing where you just don't feel it or? I I, I think that I, I deal more with like my rationale brain uh, a little bit uh, more than like um like everything i want everything to make sense uh, and if it doesn't make sense then i, I kind of keep obsessing over it until i can make sense of it uh, so uh, i think that that can be difficult for people to relate to me sometimes because they're like 
they're like, why, why doesn't she just understand? Uh, and I'm just like, no, I would love to understand, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's just that your brain doesn't work that way. I wonder if some of that got developed because of all the intellectual coping that you've had to do, you know, like, okay, I'm with the normal people. I have to act this way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to hold on to this job or whatever. I always felt like I was trying to cope, hoping, hold, trying to hold on to a job. I relate to it that way personally. But so let's talk a little bit about your childhood because they missed your family missed this. Do you did you feel like um, that you were, you know, I'll just say weirdo growing up? Well, my family did definitely send me for like the they sent me for the um, evaluation. I was evaluated so much as a kid, but the people who missed it were the were the at the time the psychiatrists who I so went you to. Were, you were sent for an autism evaluation. I was sent for an everything evaluation. Oh, okay. I was because I was acting out. Um, well, my my family described it as acting out um around the age of five i started throwing extreme temper tantrums that Mm -hmm. were we now know they were meltdowns but when i was a little kid it just kind of looked like i was um angry or freaking out Mm -hmm. for no reason do you remember how you felt or what was going on at all i only remember i I don't have very many like vivid like first person memories Mm -hmm. from when i was a little kid but um i do remember one time like repeatedly slamming and like opening and slamming my bedroom door like over and over and over again Mm. while while like screaming at the top of my lungs Mm. and i don't remember like what i was feeling why i was doing it like i think i just felt like that's what i needed to be doing in that moment and i don't know why but um because of things like that and i was so young that like i was really all over the place yeah my family sent me to I, I remember this like evaluation situation where I took so many tests and then they like had all of these like different like electronic things like I had to do this test where like I had to push these buttons and like it was it was weird but um did, yeah do you remember like did it make you feel uh, how it made you feel as a child like it could make you feel special it could make you feel weird it could make you be frustrating to remember like how it affected you like i'm getting all these extra tests did you brothers and sisters no so you're an only child. yeah no i'm so you um, didn't sorry. have anybody to compare it to. yeah no i didn't have anything to compare it to so i was mm-hmm. just kind of like i was just kind of like oh this is normal maybe it was like another doctor's appointment or like it was like a so you didn't thing. you didn't think yeah so you didn't yeah have, you didn't have that's interesting if you'd had brothers or sisters they might have like yeah they might have been like huh hey, you know you're like I didn't I didn't go to those tests. Yeah, I didn't have anyone or, and or, I also didn't have friends when I was a kid. So there was like no one around to be like what you're going through is not normal. So how did you not have any friends? What was the circumstances there? Was it because of your autism or your something else? Well, kids did not like me and I did not like them either. Mm-hmm. Um I did not act like a little kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't speak like a little kid. Um I spoke like a 30 year old when I was when I was like 11. So kids made fun of me. And I was also um, I was also overweight when I was a little kid, like more dramatic, like dramatically. So Um, I was the biggest kid in my um, well, maybe not the biggest in like, you know, the whole school, but like definitely like my grade or my my small class. Right. So I was I was bullied and picked on for that. Uh Um, And then. Yeah, I was just I was bullied a lot as a kid. And also I probably admittedly was a little bit weird. 
So it was hard to relate to me. I don't, that makes me sad when you say I admittedly was a little weird. That sounds sad <laughs> and well, judge, I mean, self judgmental, but not in a but, bad way, but definitely you, different than the other kids. Do you, kid. do you do, were you hostile? Do you, were you weird? Were you weird or was it like, did you have negative behaviors that would have? Oh, I certainly that had kids negative. Didn't want to be around you. Yeah. I was, I was, I mean, mostly i think as a response to the bullying but i was also mean back to kids um i was never like physically aggressive with anyone but um i definitely yeah i was just i was i was rude i was standoffish i was authoritative i was you know so you were confident though yes i've always been confident that's really cool (laughs) you didn't question your behavior no that's but awesome. I probably should. Now looking back as an adult, like I didn't understand. I didn't understand things when I was a kid. I mean, you know what kid does. But I think that I understood things socially a little bit less than kids my age did. Um, so I didn't understand that it was, you know, rude to go up to someone and tell them exactly what you think of them, <laughs> whether they were like a child or an adult or, you know. So now I, I kind of, you know, I know how to be like more pleasant in a... Or like, yeah, so, social norms. Yeah. You understand them. So so how did your parents manage all this? Like what, what, was, that, what was your situation like at home gr- growing up? Well, because I grew up with my grandparents, so they were much older. Um, like when I was born, my grandmother was, I think, about to turn 60. So, wow. you know, by the time I was going through like middle school early high school they were in their 70s um and so to them it was like one very much kind of the knowledge of all of this was kind of out of their like that generation gap of just like you know even i mean in the late 90s early 2000s we knew so much less about autism than we do now yeah um it was still very much a you know very stereotypical you know thing and mostly with boys exactly so um they interpreted my behavior as negative behavior, which I think is kind of understandable mm. given like the era they grew up in, like their knowledge of everything. Did they punish you? Were you punished for your behavior or how did they manage it? I, was, I wasn't punished. I mean, they definitely tried to set boundaries to the best of their ability, but also I was, I was severely undermanaged, I think, as a child, just because I was, I was unmanageable. I really kind of ran at my own speed and I did what I wanted to do no matter what anyone told me so they just gave up yeah I mean in a way but they kind of didn't have an option like I kind of like Mm -hmm. like no matter how hard they would have tried to get me to do what they wanted me to do I wasn't going to do it so did you just like you would eat when you wanted to eat you would do whatever you wanted to do exactly and did you ever did you go places with them did they take you out for dinner like yeah yeah yeah, sometimes I mean sometimes we would do family stuff um but for the most part I mean I kept to myself I was very interested in like uh being on the computer computers were like a huge thing to me when I was a kid Uh and I mean still are as an adult but like I was I mean I was really interested in like building computers um oh like uh when i was in middle school i was really interested in robotics oh um mm-hmm. so i was i was very much like oh. just into my own little world and they didn't really understand that so to them it was frustrating and it was troublesome because it was like what's paris doing with her eyes glued to a computer screen right. like 24 hours a day right but um 
you know, I did. Did you, I was going to do it. Did you get good grades in school? No. And was that a problem? Um, to everyone else. Oh, but you didn't feel bad about it. No, that's so awesome. <laughs> I don't know if that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome now. I made it right, or I, you know, I survived. No, no, but it's 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 really. I don't know. I mean, I don't. You know, um, you know, I I don't. You know, I, you know, just counter transference. Personally, confidence is a big is my hot button issue. So I just can't even relate to that. But I still think that not being taken down or thinking less of yourself because of the behavior that you were exhibiting is impressive and and a, and a real strength. I mean, know? there's definitely moments where I felt, I don't think I ever looked down on myself, but I think that I felt bad about myself as a result of how I thought others looked at me. And I still do all the time. Mm. But if I look at myself just objectively and I go, this is Paris, this is how she is, I don't feel bad about that. But I do often feel bad about how other people look at Paris that person. You think they're going to be critical? Exactly, yeah. they don't get it. I yeah. Think, yeah. I, I think know. I worry, I worry a lot about um, what people are going to think. But did you feel confident with your grandparents? Um. Yeah, I never, well, I didn't feel uncomfortable with them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I like Did felt you feel a, loved? Yeah, I definitely felt loved. I definitely knew they loved me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about what happened in adolescence. What happened when you got a little older and, you know, um, boys, girls, sexuality? And how'd you, how? what was high school like for you? Um, I got sent to boarding school when I was in seventh grade. So I was 12. And it was an all girls boarding school. I very quickly realized that I was attracted to girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I identify now as like queer, um, bisexual, I guess, if I want to put like a concrete label on it. Mm. Um, but it's really fluid. I mean, I don't, I don't really know. And you're with a man now. I'm with a man now. But yeah, I've been with, I've been with women. I've been with uh, non-binary people. I mean, I've been with all sorts of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I started figuring that out when I was around 12, 13. And uh and then I went through a lot of trouble when I was a teenager. Like I, I got in trouble a lot at school. I got, sure. um, mm-hmm. I got taken in the middle of the night to a wilderness program. Oh man, they put you in one of those wilderness programs. I was in three different TTI programs. Wow. Yeah, I was in a wilderness program, and then I went to a residential treatment center in Utah, and then I went to a lockdown facility in Tennessee. Oh. Uh. So was, was there just, drugs or alcohol or anything like that involved? Nothing, nothing, nothing that was like, I didn't have any addictions. Like, I mean, I'd smoked pot a couple times. Yeah, right, um, whatever. I, you know, I maybe like tried drinking like a handle yeah. of like Mad Dog 2020 or something in like a 7-Eleven parking lot. <laughs> no, but what was the behavior that they were concerned about? Uh, truancy, like really bad grades, not going to class. I was also severely depressed. My first girlfriend around that age when I was I think I was around 14 when it happened um she died in a car accident so that made me extremely depressed and she was like a she was a daughter of one of the teachers of my school and it was a heartbreaking thing and so it was you know everyone knew this girl and she was like you know one of the pride and joy students of the school and then she died tragically um so that really affected me when I was a kid no kidding and there was just a lot of um also, I think just like uh, 
I was I definitely was not as functional as a child or as a young adult. I just didn't yet understand how to like regulate my feelings and how to control my impulses and force myself to live a life. So so you weren't coloring in the lines. So you'd be like maybe reacting inappropriately like ang- angry or Yeah, I was very angry. Was it, so was it more more aggressive behavior that that was getting you into trouble? Yeah, I mean, never physically aggressive, but I was very verbally aggressive. And I was always, um, I was just always causing a scene. Mm-hmm. Like, not necessarily in like a nonsensical way, but I was like highly opinionated. And I was very mm-hmm. like, I was very cr- just kind of crass, I guess. Mm-hmm. Did you have a clue that you were doing that? Did you know, did you, did you like feel frustrated by the, by people and you were acting out? Or do you have any ideas about that or? I think I definitely felt frustrated. I felt trapped and kind of constrained in this like high school, middle school experience that like I couldn't get out of. Yeah, that makes sense. Which, which, like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like everyone kind of feels like that to a degree. So you were expressing everybody's feelings for them. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't want to be like 16 in the mountains mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania right mm-hmm. now. Like. Was that helpful, by the way? I've always been curious. I always thought those were like there's something cool about those out, you know, outdoors. Wilderness no, God, thing. no. They're so. I mean, the. Was, I mean, I can't say that all outdoor, you know, yeah, wilderness programs like are bad, but I can say that the therapeutic ones are usually terrible. Really? Why are you deprived? Are you like? Well, I mean, you, is it like Survivor? It's, it's like yes, yeah, literally child abuse. I mean, imagine. Wow. Imagine really? getting dropped off in the middle of the woods like having no hiking experience whatsoever and you're like 14 years old and you weigh like 130 pounds soaking wet and you're like and they're like all right you're gonna hike six miles a day for the next 30 days you're gonna have no running water no electricity you're not going to be allowed to socialize with people and you have to like look at the ground at all times like god that was awful. awful it was awful yeah and yeah i mean i did that for like three months and then got shuffled to like another therapeutic place uh-huh. another therapeutic place so wow it sounds like it sounds like people cared but they were really at a loss yeah i mean definitely there were a bunch of people around me who wanted to try to do the right thing for me and that i acknowledge and that i've always appreciated but the execution was poor (laughs) so we only have six minutes left so we got to find out like how you turned into such a highly i mean i don't you know the little bit of time we've spent together i don't see that person the aggressive person you're describing so i yeah. i'm guessing that you kind of figured that all out so i i want to understand how that happened or what happened there i think that a lot of it was just kind of growing up and becoming more and more comfortable within myself and realizing that i didn't need to make such a statement uh-huh that like i could just be myself and that's okay um so that was the the number one thing the other part of it was extreme cognitive behavioral therapy Ah, so <laughs> for many years. Oh, I see. So just a lot of, you know, sitting down and talking about, OK, when you feel this way, it probably stems from this thing. And, you know, understanding the way that I was feeling and why I feel the, the way that I feel about things like identifying the root emotion of whatever feel, I'm feeling helps me not resort to an immediate place of anger. Right. Cognitive behavioral therapy. That's yeah. great. I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I haven't, you know, done it really, but I, it, it seems like such an un, 
underused uh, tool in the psychotherapy toolbox because everybody's always trying to like figure out like how did I get this way what can I do about it how do I change my behavior or whatever and it's like it's like basically saying you don't have to change any you know just like figure out like you don't have to you don't have to understand everything you have a quirk figure out yeah. how to make it work for you right exactly. how to cope with it how to manage it or so. like learn how to identify the feelings underneath the feelings so that you don't jump to your place of you know oh i'm anxious or oh i'm gonna be really mad at you or you know mm-hmm. just understand why you're feeling the way that you do and then you can react to it in a nice normal calm way yeah amazing wow 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 uh that 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 is that is pretty awesome um yeah i mean i was just thinking about like the courage it takes to have a child because there's a lot of logistics yeah and to have the confidence or you know to to me like that seems like overwhelming the idea of having that kind of responsibility but obviously you are way way capable of it and so um i think that you know, I, it seems like a lot of the lessons you've learned have really helped you thrive is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I think that definitely mm-hmm. all of the experiences just up to this point have definitely shaped me. And, you know, mm-hmm. but like, do you do you feel like sometimes you get in a pressure situation? You're like, I can handle this because I know how to I've done I've done this before. I have this experience. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely learned from like my mistakes, my my hardships and times that I have not been able to manage my emotions. And maybe if I figure out something that worked that last time, I can apply it to mm-hmm. the present and try but, to. Uh, but also like I could imagine you like on a shoot, like on a film shoot and everybody's like, oh, my God, you know, this what we didn't get this thing. And then everybody's running around going nuts. And you're like, I'm <laughs> probably just sitting there and you're like, <laughs> OK, we're work it out yeah like we'll figure emergencies i'm definitely yeah definitely i'm good in an emergency (laughs) um i do tend to like i I go immediately into like uh how do i fix this place without freaking out yeah 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 that's great and great that's the difference that's why you would you'll that's why you're making a great parent and why i can't do it because i would just be (laughs) pant and some go oh no the kid oh my god like look there's like a bruise on her face i don't know they're gonna come and arrest me um so we have uh one minute left and i just want to remind thank you so much this has been like so great and i i have so much to process here and i'm excited about doing that this has been so fun thank you um but i do want you to make sure that you uh check paris campbell out at paris campbell on tiktok Uh, on tiktok it's stop stop at paris on instagram it's paris campbell come to her show on saturday may 14th at the broadway comedy club make sure you check out radiofreebrooklyn.org you know we have 70 over 70 shows here a lot of them are music shows we've got politics comedy we have cooking shows now so i really think you should check them out i'm at Dr. Lisa Levy, SP. I'm here every Thursday, 2 to 3. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. So come by. 
come by and hang out, all right? All right, we'll be looking for you. Stick around.